Well, good evening. Will you pray with me? Lord, why should we gain from this reward? Lord, it is your holiness made the cross necessary, but it's your grace that made the cross possible. It's a scandal that you would die for folks who would scoff you. Lord, thank you. That your love is, is deeper than our rebellion. And so Lord, in this moment, would you turn our hearts to you, transform us again, that we might receive this, this deep love and worship you. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Psalm 22, verse 1 through 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have your seat. Why? When's the last time you questioned God. What were you feeling? Anger? Despair? I love the Psalms of Lament because they ask really good questions of God. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious to me? Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Those are good questions. When's the last time you questioned God? God, why aren't you showing up in my life? Why aren't you showing up in my marriage? Why aren't you showing up for my kids? God, why don't you help me with my job? God, where are you when my health is failing? God, how could you let the shooting happen in Nashville? God, why is there so much struggle and strife all around me? Why is there so much struggle and strife within me? When's the last time you questioned God? Again, I, I love lament songs. I define lament as expressions of helplessness without succumbing to feelings of hopelessness. When we feel helpless, we want answers. We, we want to understand, don't we? 
But questions can feel threatening. It can feel threatening when there's no trust. That's why many of us are afraid to be questioned. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe your your spouse comes to you and, and asks, where have you been? And you might feel threatened and think, don't you trust me? Or, or your, your supervisor comes to you and asks, did you get this work done? And you might feel threatened and think, don't you trust me to get it done? Questions can feel dangerous when there is no trust. It's why my tolerance for questions is often tested with my daughter. Um, one of my daughter's favorite words right now is, why? Uh, don't jump on the couch. Why? Uh, it's, it's time to go to bed. Why? Don't cut your brother's hair. Why? Don't draw on the walls. Why? And, and, and sometimes I, I just get to a point when I don't want to have a good answer. I, I just want to say, because I said so. I wonder if you can relate to that. There's questioning in my curious daughter's mind and heart. And I sometimes feel threatened by that because I want her to just trust me when I tell her something. But questioning doesn't always mean there's no trust. It could be that you're trying to make sense out of uncertainty. It's, it's what Tim Keller calls honest doubt. Honest doubt seeks to understand while dishonest doubt seeks to undermine. It's the difference between the Pharisees and the disciples. Both the Pharisees and the disciples doubted Jesus. But one was seeking to understand him while the other was seeking to undermine him. And I believe that situations at times drive us all to doubt. Everyone experiences this. And and I don't think we have to be threatened by that because God certainly is not threatened by it. But does our doubt drive us toward God or against God? What, What could it look like to trust God with our doubt? I love that he actually gave us a liturgy for doubt. (laughs) He gave us a how-to guide for questioning God in his word. Psalm 22, we, we see King David questioning God. Why have you forsaken me? We learn something of the details of the situation as you keep reading the psalm, but we don't know all of the specifics. What we know is that there is some kind of gap between David's faith and his circumstances. His circumstances are are telling him a different story than his faith. It's, It's telling him, David, you are abandoned, you're forsaken. You, you won't be saved. By, by day and night, David is wrestling with this story to the point where he cannot find rest. I wonder if you know what that's like. 
to be tossing and turning, to be crying out from your soul, but not sensing any end to the circumstance. You're, you're helpless. You're helpless. But are you hopeless? In the psalm, we see signals of King David's hope. He says, my God. You are my God. You are holy. You are enthroned. You are the deliverer. But David still questions. And he's not questioning if all that is true. He's not questioning uh, if if that's a reality. He says, I'm I'm questioning if it's really true for me. Uh, He's wrestling with his, not with his formal theology, but with his functional theology. Can I actually apply this to me? Can I actually apply who you are to my situation? Can I, I can apply it to, to Israel. I can apply it to my forefathers. But when I think about my life, when I think about my world, I can sense a difference in the stories between my faith and my circumstance. What am I to believe? And I hate to rush to the punchline, but uh, for the sake of time, we have to to hear where this psalm really lands because there is one who has come to tell a better story. He tells a better story than your struggles. There is one who has come to tell a better story than your sin. There is one who has come to tell a better story about this world and this life. But here's the thing. He doesn't just sprinkle fairy dust over it. You know, he, he doesn't just bypass the visceral, gruesome realities of this world with platitudes. He came and he did something far more gruesome. And he did it for a better story. He died. He was wounded. He, he was bruised. He was beaten and mocked. He, he was abandoned and forsaken. He was abused and mistreated. And he did all of this for a better story. He bore our sin and suffering in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We're healed by his wounds. That's the better story. It's the best story ever told, amen? And while he was on the cross, Jesus cried out this song. My God, My God, why have you forsaken me? It's not because he didn't know the answer. It's not because that he was actually helpless or hopeless, but it was because he was giving notice that the hope of the world rests on a who, not a what. Our hope rests on Christ alone, not on whatever we face in this world. And Jesus bears the true burden of all of that. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And so as the song says, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. So we take this moment on a Friday to to turn our attention to the cross, to turn our attention to this story. 
We, we focus our hearts on the most gruesome moment in history and we receive the invitation. Bring your questions. Bring your doubts. Bring your sin and your sorrow. Because this, this is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so as, as Pastor Daniel mentioned earlier, we, we're going to take a moment and we're going to hear this story read from Mark's gospel. And we're going to behold the final moments of Jesus' death. And we'll be silent and we'll reflect upon the reality of this suffering Savior. And when we conclude the service, just a reminder, we're going to exit out in silence. It's a sign of reflection and lament. And it's a moment to really lean into our helplessness. It's a moment to really lean into the end of ourselves. Because there is one who has come to bear the weight of all our humanity. And I would encourage us in this time to just consider, where are you questioning God right now? Where are you questioning God right now? Where are you struggling to believe the better story? And will you trust God enough to bring him those doubts? You're welcome here. This church is a church of people wrestling to believe the better story, and we would love to join with you in that. In our last note here, we have our Sunday services at 8 o'clock, uh, 9.45, and 11.30. I hope you'll join us for one of the services so we can celebrate our risen king. There's one thing that I've been reflecting on this week. Um, last week, I was in Nashville with some, some pastors uh, after the shooting at Covenant School. And one of the pastors who was conducting uh, one of the funerals for one of the, the victims of the shooting, he was just sharing about his weariness, his sorrow, and his grief, um, many, many tears. He was saying many things, but one thing he said that stuck with me is, I'm glad I don't have to rush to the resurrection. I'm glad I don't have to rush to the resurrection. And he said that to to acknowledge uh, that the cross is where we can bring our shame, our despair, our anger, our questioning to find rest where there is no other rest. May we receive this invitation that he has given to us. Will you pray with me? So Lord, we want to behold this man upon this cross. For our sins are upon his shoulders. And Lord, day in and day out, we, we mock him. But Lord, thank you that, that in your eyes, in your heart towards us, you're full of grace towards us. Thank you that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Would you help us to surrender to the better story? In Jesus' name, amen.